You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is our second-to-last episode of this little mini-season that's focusing on the 2007 Kansas football season. Today we finish up the conversation. Today I'm, I'm finishing up the conversation that I had with Carrington Harrison about the Kansas-Missouri game. Uh, we've talked a lot about the game already. We're, we're moving in kind of towards the the end of that discussion, but also then the implications um Obviously, what that meant with the BCS selections and and all of the emotions and uh, excitement surrounding that. So enjoy. Let's let's jump back real quick uh, into the actual game between KU and MU. Um, you know, KU starts making a comeback in the second half. They have a furious rally there in the fourth quarter. Um, get that last touchdown with about two minutes left to pull within a touchdown. Um, what I mean. Do you, do you remember the last two minutes of the game very well? How how concerned were you about Missouri actually being able to run out the clock since KU was starting to get some, some some stops there? And then also when they actually had to punt it with about 12 seconds left, were were you even a little bit concerned that that KU was just going to be able to bomb it somehow magically win the game? No, I wasn't worried at the end. I got to answer your second question first. I wasn't worried at the end, but yeah, I mean the second half of it. Kansas certainly came out with a different level of energy and a different level of tempo in the second half that just changed it a little bit. And, man, when you cheer for Missouri, you're worried about everything. Like, I always think that the worst is going to possibly happen. I had a little bit more confidence in that team than other Missouri teams because that was a team that I I saw that team play in person. I went to like five games that year. But I just seen that team play more, so I had just a different level of confidence in that team. But, no, I mean, Kansas – Kansas certainly did a good job of keeping it close. I remember the officiating in that one. If we're just going to play conspiracy theory, just wasn't the best. 
I remember Missouri just kind of got some unfortunate flags in the second half of the game. I think Missouri had like 13 penalties in that game. So it definitely wasn't the crispest game, at least from Missouri on their end. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I remember some uh, arguments the other way, talking about how the first half wasn't necessarily the cleanest officiated the other way. So, you know, I, I think you're going to get that anytime you game. Someone's going to go ahead and complain about something at some point. But, um, you know, I was I was pretty impressed that the defense was able to kind of facilitate that comeback. I will say I kind of wasn't really surprised. Um, you know, that, that they weren't able to get all the way back. And I think part of that's just having been a KU football fan for, for a long time, um, you know, prior to the Mangino years. And then after Mangino, obviously kind of falling back down into uh, the pit of despair that is KU football. So, um, but, you know, I, I will say, you know, I had thought when we were getting ready or when we had gotten close, um, I didn't actually get to watch this part. So I, I can't remember if I'm, if I'm remembering this correctly, but, I don't believe that they tried any sort of onside kick. They went ahead and kicked deep and tried to stop them. And and the reaction that I remember just was that everybody was wondering why they didn't try to get the ball back because the way Missouri had been, you know, uh, moving the ball earlier in the game, there there really was no guarantee that you were going to get another shot at it. So um, do, you, do you remember any similar sort of thoughts that you were kind of glad that they didn't try to do an onside kick or anything like that? I'm not going to lie to you. I do not really remember. I I saw the game, obviously, when it happened. I've maybe watched the game like three times since it happened. It was just such a long time ago. It's just hard to remember. Specifically right. Right. Well, you know, and, and I tried to watch it, and, and, and the feed that I had picked somehow cut out, like, just a little bit before that. And, <laughs> you know, I was trying to find another one, and I kind of ran out of time to do it. And I looked on, the, like, the recap and everything, and the play-by-play doesn't mention one way or another. So my assumption is that they went ahead and kicked it deep and tried to use their defense to stop them, which in, in some ways kind of makes sense, just given, you know, how well they were able to, to, to get that comeback in the fourth quarter. They were holding them to field goals. They weren't letting them go on long drives. Um, but, you know, it's also kind of one of those things, if you're down by less than a score and there's about two minutes left, I almost think you absolutely have to try to get the ball back immediately rather than kicking it off. Um, I, I mean, I guess obviously it's a little too late to kind of be talking about that. But, uh, you know, so, so obviously Missouri goes on to win the game um, and you know, move, moves up to number one in the BCS. And actually, I, I had said earlier that they were number four at the time. They actually were number three going into the game. They were – I believe the AP poll had them at number four. Um, but so, so, so they go ahead and win that game, which, interesting note, the one thing I did pick up from the broadcast when I watched it again was that it's the only time that KU and Missouri were both ranked in the top ten when they met. Um, and, of course, they were both in the top five at that point. So this, this, by any kind of definition, was definitely the biggest game between the two. Um, but after winning that and then earning the right to go on and play Oklahoma, I mean, what was, what was the, the biggest emotion that you remember? Was it relief of winning the game or was it, you know, nervousness about having to face Oklahoma or was it excitement was, the possibility of getting revenge or I mean, what was it? That's a good question. Um, I would say it was a couple of different emotions. I would say number one, just the satisfaction of beating a rival. You know, like there had been so much talk and so much build up to this game, and to kind of go back to the point you just made, I think you knew when you were in it and when you were watching it and you were following both teams that now obviously you didn't know that the conference was going to change and that Missouri and Kansas weren't going to be in the same conference, but you knew that you were never going to see a football game as big as this one between these two teams. Like maybe Kansas could get to 11 and Missouri's 13 or something like that, but 
this was Missouri playing Kansas at a neutral site around the holidays for the chance to be the number one team in the country. Brent Musburger, Kurt Burbage Street, college game days there. Like, you just knew what you were in the midst of, and you knew how big it was. That certainly changed it. So, I mean, it was just satisfaction of winning that game, kind of like our Kansas fans kind of have that. They kind of have that different pride when you won the last KU basketball game. I mean, the last KU-Missouri football game that will ever matter, Missouri won that game. So, like, a different level of pride when it comes with that. Um, it was anticipation to playing Oklahoma. I mean, that game was on the road when Missouri beat them. Missouri's best defensive player, certainly one of them, Pig Brown, had got hurt in that game. I think Missouri had a chance in that game. But if you're going to lose your best defensive player during the game and you're on the road in Norman, it's tough. And, again, it's, it's at Norman. You don't take any – there's no – excuse me, there's no negative for losing at Oklahoma. So it was just the neutral site, ready to play them. And then I think you understood they were 60 minutes from winning a national, or at least getting to the national championship. So it's like that kind of level of excitement. And then you got the Heisman Trophy ceremony because Chase was announced. It was just, there have been very few times in my life that it has been very exciting to be a Missouri Tiger fan. But that week was really exciting. And not that it just kind of all tumbled down, but then it just turned into frustration that Missouri just had a really good season. I would say probably one of the five teams in the country that were better than them beat them. They then don't go to the BCS game. They then see Kansas win the game, and then they get this consolation game against Arkansas. And it just, you know, I, I, I'm at least happy that Missouri ended the season off right. Like, they dominated Arkansas, and to me just kind of proved they shouldn't have been in that game. Like, they should have been in a BCS game. And I think they're – I think they kind of rallied around bowl games, and I think that – a lot of times in bowl games, there's always that question of, are they going to come to play? Like, which team really cares about it? Pinkle did a really good job of getting that team focused enough to know, hey, leave a legacy, leave a mark here, and show for the rest of history, the rest of time, that you shouldn't have been in this game. I mean, they dominated Arkansas in that game, an SEC opponent, a team that had a really good season. So those are kind of the wave of emotions I went through the last month of the season. Yeah, good stuff there. So, uh, I mean, I guess – kind of turning then to the controversy that came at the end of the season with the bowl selection. Um, obviously, Kansas getting selected to go to the BCS Bowl, um, down to the Orange Bowl to play Virginia Tech, and Missouri being relegated to the Cotton Bowl to play Arkansas. Um, I, I think I kind of want to take a different take here, though. I, what, what do you think was the biggest thing that cost Missouri a chance to go to the BCS Bowl? Was it the fact that they lost to Kansas? Um, was it, you know, the supposed uh, backroom dealings of Lou Perkins, or was it simply just the fact that the Big 12 under the BCS structure was only allowed to take or to send two game, two teams to BCS bowls? I mean, I, I personally kind of have the feeling that if there wasn't that two-team limitation, that Oklahoma would have gotten it, um, that Kansas would have gotten it, and Missouri would have gotten it as well. Like, I, I don't, I don't know that that Missouri was necessarily left out because they weren't considered deserving of a BCS Bowl. I think that, that the Big 12 was just limited to two teams, and there really were three teams deserving of going to the BCS from, from the Big 12 that year. I'll say it's a combination of the three. I think that anytime it's big money involved, there's always some level of politics. Like, it's a great thing for your university to play in these kind of games, and I've read enough stories that I do believe something happened with Kansas and BCS I just, again, I think, it's, I think it's big business. I think it's big dollars that 
I just kind of find it hard to believe that no one was trying to wheel and deal and kind of put themselves or their university in the best possible situation. I agree with you. I think Missouri and Kansas were both clearly deserving. And because of how the old structure was, it only two teams from a conference, like they had to pick between Kansas and Missouri. And I think just the very simple two is less or two is greater than one. Missouri had two losses throughout the course of the season. Kansas only had one. So I think it's just very easy to say, all right, well, we took the second best team in the Big 12. Only one other Big 12 team finished with one loss. Um, so like we'll end up taking the University of Kansas. But to me, it just seems it always just seemed very unfair to me because what was Missouri's penalty then for winning the same division that Kansas was in? It's not like Kansas wasn't in their division and it took a one-win team over them. Missouri and Kansas played the same number of Big 12 games. They were both in the same division, and Missouri won that division. So if anybody should represent that division, it should be the division winner. That to me, it was just it was a weird loophole and flaw that got them in as well. That. Right, and I mean, I, I do think that part of that, though, is the fact that, I mean, if, if you're going strictly by losses, Oklahoma had three of them. Um, and so really what ended up happening then was Oklahoma beating Missouri um, basically stole the bid from Missouri. Um, you know, I mean, which you, you can really make an argument either way. I think, that, I think that Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma were all deserving of going to BCS. It was just a matter of deciding, you know, which two teams got to go because only two teams were allowed to go. And it was really easy to say, okay, well, you know, Kansas only has one loss, so it's pretty easy to kind of pencil them in, even if it's the number two from the, from the Big 12. And so Oklahoma and Missouri are playing each other for the right to go to a BCS bowl game. And obviously there was a lot more that went into it than, than it just being that simple. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's also pretty, pretty easy to kind of make the argument that way if you want. Um, but, you know, Kansas and Lou Perkins, they were lobbying hard to get in, as I'm sure that Missouri was as well. So, you know, I don't know that I can necessarily fault anyone for that, like you were saying. Um, so really, I, I really do think it kind of just comes down to more of an issue with the BCS itself um, as opposed to any particular team. I'm sure I would have been just as upset if Kansas had been left out in favor of Missouri. Um, although I probably would have been able to understand that a little bit better just because of the head-to-head -head there. Um, and the fact that, you know, Missouri was in the, the, the Big 12 championship game. I mean, I don't know that I really could have complained if it had gone the other way. Um, but, you know. I'm yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think in terms of this, I mean, I don't ever fault, I don't ever fault Kansas for doing what they're supposed to do. Like, it, I mean, it's Lou Perkins' job to get Kansas into those kind of games. Like, he's just doing that part of it. I mean, my frustration is just always more with the system that allows this kind of stuff to happen and not to go just – soapbox preach about the NCAA but to me like it's it's very unfair that we allow politics to just take away from deserving and all those kind of things I guess you could argue life isn't fair it's about who you know and not what you know and all that kind of stuff but to me college football part of the frustration about it is which is I think makes college basketball better in a sense of we never have to argue resume in college basketball now, you might have to argue resume about who's a one seed and who's a two seed and about what's tough state but at some point, everybody has to be included in the same tournament, and then you just go from there. That so many times in college football, the end of the season gets kind of bogged down with us arguing hypotheticals. But I think the difference in this one was we saw the two teams play on a neutral site, and Missouri won the game. So Missouri should then have – you then, by default, should win the opportunity 
to play in the next game if it comes down to those two teams. And I think it was just frustrating that, A, Missouri was penalized by a game, A, that's created at the end of it to make extra money, and then, B, they were penalized by having to play a team twice that Kansas didn't have to play. And that part, that part to me, it overrid or it overrided that the fact that Missouri had defeated Kansas in a neutral site game had to yeah, I mean, kind of on the other side, though, you can also kind of point out, you know, Missouri lost to Oklahoma twice. Um, and I guess not not that this really should have any sway in it, but if Missouri had gone to play Virginia Tech in, in the uh, the Orange Bowl there, I'm not so sure it would have been as good of a game as it was. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, that was a huge mismatch. I, I don't know that Virginia Tech would have been able to really stick with Missouri. Um, just because of the way that their offense is and kind of the stuff we've already talked about, whereas, you know, Kansas kind of matched up well with Virginia Tech and kind of gave up what ended up being a, a more entertaining game, I think, probably drew bigger ratings um, just because of kind of the storylines that were there and what, what everyone was anticipating. Obviously, there's really no way to know that for sure, um, and that may be some of my Kansas bias kind of speaking there, but I, I do think there was enough there just matchup-wise and kind of giving – giving them the, the demographics or the uh, kind of that, that storyline that they were looking for that kind of helped push Kansas over the edge too there. But let's, let's, let's go ahead and move on. Um, kind of one last thing I wanted to hit on, you know, obviously that was kind of the crown season for both Gary Pinkle and Mark Mangino. Um, so the last thing I, I kind of want to ask, and I, I, I kind of want to get your opinion on, on the Kansas side too, is first of all, were you surprised at how quickly – it all fell apart for, for Kansas and Mangino. Um, but also just kind of the fact that, you know, that was, that was kind of the highlight there for Pinkle. Like you said earlier, um, you know, he was, he was able to kind of turn that into a, a long tenure there at Missouri, but he was never really able to get back up that high again. Um, and really it kind of saved his job that season to have the season that he did. So kind of your thoughts there on both of them. Are, are you surprised at how quickly it turned for Kansas and, and kind of, um, you know, how, how much did that really kind of define the legacy of both Mangino and Pinkle? Um, first part, not really about Kansas, and it's not, not even a Mangino point. I guess on a very smaller scale, Kansas is like Texas A&M and Clemson. Like when you have your best quarterback or certainly one of your best quarterbacks, it's then you have a question of how do you follow it up, you know, and Todd Reesing was a really good talent that in order to keep that level of success, you have to keep that level of talent at quarterback. Now, Clemson just recruits from a higher base and Kansas does the same thing for Texas A&M. So the chances of them repeating that is different. But what kept Missouri alive for, what, seven, eight years while Tinkle was the coach is they didn't miss on quarterback. Now, they didn't get a quarterback as good as Chase Daniel, but Blank Abbott followed him, James Franklin, Drew Locke and Maddie Mock. I mean, they, they just had a really good run at quarterback that if you don't miss a quarterback and then you have the defensive line talent that Missouri had for 10, 12 years, you're just always kind of going to kind of get to that point. Um, I'll disagree with you a little bit um, on the second question. Missouri fans kind of have an argument back and forth about who was the better team, the 07 team or the uh, 2013 team. That 2013 team won the SEC East and was up in the fourth quarter against Auburn, and if they win that game, they go to the national championship. Uh, and then Trey Mason just absolutely killed them in that game. So I'd argue that they kind of got back to that place one more time. Uh, the next – I mean, the other time they got to the SEC championship game against Alabama, that team wasn't that good. 
that team was kind of like how Kansas was. That team was a team that probably should have won seven, eight games, but got a beneficial schedule courtesy of the SEC. Like they didn't play Alabama, didn't play LSU, didn't play the big teams in the West. So they kind of puffed their schedule and their season up by that. So I, I would disagree with you a little bit. I think they only did it one other time, that 2013 team. But that's the only team that got close. They had some good teams, you know, some nine-win teams, some eight-win teams. But those were the only two teams that were able to really compete at a national scale. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, definitely been – I guess kind of a mixed review in terms of looking back at that season. Lots of uh, highs there, lots of frustrations for for both our teams there. But um, we 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 still definitely need to get you back on sometime in in August to kind of preview what's what's going on with football. Um, both both KU and Missouri, you know, we still have a lot of arguments, uh, especially after our last podcast with you, about whether there really is any sort of rivalry still between KU and MU to the point where people kind of want to hear about that. So, you know, I, I definitely kind of want to keep up with it myself. So it'd be great to have you back um, to kind of preview both Missouri and, and, and Kansas in the upcoming season. Sound good? Yeah, whenever you guys want me on, I'm uh, happy to do it. I think this is a very important year for both Kansas and Missouri. Both are in year two of their coaches. Both have a lot to prove. I mean, for Missouri, I think the goal is you have to get to a bowl game this year. I don't know how much you keep up with Missouri recruiting. I, would, I don't really blame you if you don't, but this is a very important, pivotal year for Missouri recruiting that if they can win seven games, they can kind of turn things around. But this is one of those defining years. And for KU, I think that four wins and kind of getting that Big 12 conference road streak kind of in their rearview mirror is a great step to take for KU. I think KU is probably two years away for being able to say we can go to a bowl game. But this year – I think it's about kind of establishing that foundation, winning a road game. I think they play at Iowa State this year. Win that game. I think you can look back and say this was a good season for Kansas football. Yeah, and just to correct you, this actually is is the year three for Beatty. But then again, oh, that, that first year where they didn't win a single game, I think I, I don't blame you for forgetting about that one. So. <laughs> that one doesn't even like to me. Last year kind of felt like the first year for Beatty. Like that year one was a clear. All right, we got to kind of clean house a little bit. You're right. It's kind of easy to forget that one. Last year to me kind of felt like all right. This was the first year of Beatty. The thing that frustrated me the most about Kansas football last year was if you know your team is out of deficiency like KU is, why not roll the dice and go for fourth down a lot more? Like to me, he would kind of coach like his team was good, but we all know that they are not good. So go for it. Like, they have fourth and three and pump the ball on their side of the field. And I'm like, why are you not going for it? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing I hope they change this year. Choir here. I think we've had multiple discussions about well, – actually, uh, most most people on the site are definitely wishing that we would go for fourth down a lot more often. There was a lot of times, especially that TCU game, I think that I counted three different times, where we either went for a really long field goal that they weren't really going to have any realistic shot at making – um, or I believe there was even one that we were like down in the in the red zone, down by a touchdown, and we kicked a field goal instead of going for it. So, yeah, the, that's definitely something we've kind of been hitting on for a long time. Is that you know really should be going for it a lot more often on fourth down. So, yeah, I mean, there's just absolutely no reason not to do it. You know, like there's there's no reason for Kansas to not be more aggressive in those situations given their current situation. Now it's different. Now you start playing for bowl games. And that kind of stuff's on the line. But, I mean, you won two games last season. Like, why are you not rolling the dice? And I kind of felt like they figured that out toward the end of the season and started being more aggressive with it. So, I, But I hope 
Like, they have some decent pieces. I hope that they have that mentality from the beginning of the season. Me too. I, I really hope that they do. So, All right. Well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely have you back soon. Uh, for, the, for those of you guys listening, thank you for listening to this uh, special edition of the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. Uh, we will be back with full episodes starting in August. Um, well, probably the second or third week of August, we're going to be picking up the previews really, really quickly uh, for football and kind of let you know about everything that we missed in the meantime. Um, so once again, thanks for joining us, and, and thanks again for listening. And that'll do it for this episode. This is the last podcast episode that we have. There will be one more that is coming, uh, as we mentioned previously, that interview that Mike did with Jake Sharp. Again, the text version of that is already up on the site. We definitely want to go ahead and bring you the, the full audio. Uh, there is a little bit of additional to that experience when you can actually listen to the guy that we're interviewing as opposed to just reading what he says. So we we definitely wanted to bring you bring that to you. We did have a couple more, like I said last time, interviews with Bob Davis and Brandon Anderson. Unfortunately, the audio that we recorded was just a little too corrupted. Um, for us to be able to bring those to you in a podcast make sure you join us for that last episode we will see you next time on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast Sports Social Podcast Network with Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.